a Women Charge podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we record, the Wilguru Kaba and Bindal peoples, whose sovereignty was never ceded, and we pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Welcome to a Women Charge podcast, an honest, helpful and hopeful platform for women to listen and engage in discussion about topics ranging from A to Z, motherhood to matters off the bed, careers, generational differences, and my anxiety over not really being able to describe the show any further than that. <laughs> yes, I am your host, Anna Walsh, a self-professed pleasure product professional, a purveyor of pleasure, a woman's rights advocate, ex-police officer, turned entrepreneur and founder of Happy Mash. And I am inviting you to share in my guests' stories of pain, pleasure and everything in between as I embark on my own awakening from an induced coma, a deep sleep rousing me from the constraints of the patriarchy. This time, I'm listening to women, not the social conditioning I have unwillingly received designed by the men. Yes, at a Women Charged podcast, I am buzzing for life and want to bring you Aussie women the truthful stories that proudly bear all there is to know about being a damn fine woman in 2022. Lubricating your ears on today's episode, I interview Sally Branson Dalwood. She is a friend of mine, which actually made this podcast episode really hard to edit because there was so much general chit chat and laughs, but Sally is also an entrepreneur and founder of the Sweet Set Hospital Bagpacking Product for Mums to Be, and she is also a PR and crisis management consultant, ex-parliament, ex-government consultant, and now, still after five years, is settling in to life as a mum and what it means to be a mum. Okay, it's the new year and we're all reassessing our lives, our goals, ambitions, and what we want to keep what or who we want to drop and for many of us women that includes motherhood little people responsibilities and how these changing life and career dynamics really affect our identity and our career paths whether we are happy for them to carve out these paths for us or not I had really loosely prepared for this episode because I knew Sally would deliver on some super interesting content But I didn't realize how deep into the feminine identity and psyche we would dive. Ego is a big word that we discussed, which actually up until now, I wouldn't describe as being a regular in my vocabulary. I don't find it aligns with me and what I try to portray in everyday life. However, it is actually really relevant to be aware of. My own ego, your own ego, when trying to assess and analyze big decisions, have made or are about to make in your life, trying to peel back the layers of meaning behind them as a way to assess your own ego and respect them is actually pretty crucial. So listen in as we discuss our metamorphosis into motherhood, Sally describing her descent from helicopters onto moving war vessels. Yes, that is actually what she used to fucking do. Compare that to folding laundry in the spare room um, and how much we really came to rely on our mother's groups despite actually being quite opposed to joining one in the first place and why we felt that was. So without further ado, I give you my friend Sally. Stay charged. (laughs) 
<laughs> right, okay. Sally Branson Dalwood. <laughs> it is All the names. So funny. What do you want me to call you? What's your actual... Uh, do you know what? I don't know what you want... What my name is. This is an identity crisis. It's because such a I'm metaphor not... for, I think, how this episode's going to go. <laughs> I think so too, because my name for 40 years was Sally Branson. Mm. And then when I had children and my family went different ways in my teens and I really wanted when I became a mum for our family to have the same name and be a that's why I got married. I, so, But these are things that I carried from growing up in a tiny community that was quite conservative. Yeah. I wanted to be married before I had a child because for me I wanted us all to be this little unit that had a piece of paper that, you know, it sounds so antiquated, but for me, as and even though I am the most feminist of anybody I know and I've spent my whole life working for gender equality, I want to name as my all of my, the four of us to be our own little family unit. And so I changed my name. Well, that's so funny. I I feel like I was the opposite. Like, I was like, I don't want to be married. Let's just have kids now. We'll be that cool new age couple. This is like 10 years ago. And then, like, Johnny just gave me a ring. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, give me a diamond and I'm anyone. Let's be traditional. Um, Sally Branson Dalwood, that's what we'll go with today because I feel like that does bring in a bit of original Sally and a bit of what you were going for your new family unit as well because your husband's Mm. surname is Dalwood and that's exactly what the two have morphed in together exactly (laughs) and I've asked you on here today because well you are my friend first and foremost isn't it good to have an excuse just to talk together without (laughs) any interruptions yeah we're just gonna have a gab and see how it goes um but you are also an absolute badass business woman as well and the entrepreneur and the founder of the sweets Set, which if my listeners have not heard of, sweet is spelled S-U-I-T-E, get it? Sweet set. This is the one-stop shop hospital packing bag and Sally and her partner, Jonathan, they have started the sweet set and they take the overwhelm away from packing your hospital bag or your friend's hospital bag or anyone in your family who you want to buy for as a gift. So Sally, tell me a little bit about this. Come on, plug the sweet set. <laughs> so really it came from the fact that I was an older mum and I'm a researcher and I'm a communicator, um, but I felt really overwhelmed preparing to have my first child. I had an amazing obstetrician and an amazing midwife. I was very lucky in a very privileged position. But I still felt overwhelmed. I felt so much pressure to get it right from the get-go and that somehow being organised before the baby was born would be indicative or a reflection on what sort of mother and parent we would be, um, what mother I would sort of parent I would be. Now, Jonathan and I are hot messes in many regards. We love to be organised, but we're actually not. Like, put us in a hotel room for a night and we can trash the place not in a cool (laughs) rock star way not in a like throwing tvs off the balcony and champagne on the sheets more in a running sneakers on one side of the room and clothes all over the floor (laughs) and in the bed and we just didn't want to be disorganized going into hospital because I got a surprise about how small a birth suite was and I was in a private birth suite Mm. and I just think there's so much pressure on women to get it right from the get-go but there's also so much conflicting information that new parents are given about everything, not just about packing the bag and so many bag packing instruction lists are made tied to a product. Let's be frank, we're trying to sell a product, we're selling a sweet set but the sweet set is 
really about robust information and it's a vehicle to have good conversations about being prepared for parenthood, not putting too much pressure on yourself to get everything right and to make sure that you're getting good, robust, researched information. So the sweet set is a set of 10 packing bags and an instruction list that's tied to it. So the instruction list coincides colour-coordinated it's very pretty, but it's also made of hospital-grade, recyclable, reusable plastic. So it's, it has environmental credentials. It's Australian-made by an Australian manufacturer. But the thing about the sweet set is that we wanted people to get good information, not feel overwhelmed. The bags are a vehicle for bigger conversations. Yeah. But having said that, the bags are immensely popular with midwives, particularly with partners as well, because it comes from, you know, at four o'clock in the morning, if your milk's coming in, you're bleeding heavily and you need a clean pair of underwear. And then in a tiny hospital room setting in a dark space, you want to be able to find them quickly. So the bags are see-through, they're labelled, and midwives and partners find them really helpful as a way to be able to support the birthing parent. Um, That's our, our feedback really is that they're very practical, they're very pretty, but they're also really robustly researched. So we consulted with obstetricians, midwives, birth suites, doulas, and we, we had professional market research done from parents who had two children, three children, and then new parents who were packing their hospital bags. So you cannot get a better list and you can't get better bags. You said like you, you felt the pressure to get it right. So, I mean, really that's kind of what you've done then for other women and other parents is you've just taken that stress and pressure off them and you also felt like you felt you felt like I don't know if you would say you actually are because what does this mean but you said you felt like an old mum as well so how old were you when you were due to have your first I was just about to turn 39 okay yeah. so I had Fenton at 40 so of 17 months between the boys mm. and I was an older mum so I felt that going into it a I wanted to be really good at it but also I felt that I'd be really good at researching and really, because that's what I did for a living, researching and communicating, that I would be really good at sorting out the good information from the bad information. But there's so much overwhelm. There's also so many people trying to make money and prey Mm. on that overwhelm and I know that exactly and that wanting to get it right Mm. and so one thing that we do is a free downloadable around a shopping list because you know you go into a big baby shop and you know do you need a wipe warmer do you need a car seat capsule cover in your car do you need a, a fan to put on your baby's pram all of these things that you really don't need but yeah. they're preying on that you need to be the best mom and you, you need to have every condition perfect for your child at all times yeah. or else you're not a great mom. And we just think there's so much pressure, particularly on, on families, there's enough financial pressure on families without having that extra guilt. So part of what we do at The Sweet Set is talk about how to get good information, how to see through that sort of bullshit um, and how how to really cut through with, with your information and just keep remembering that babies really just need to be fed, to be loved and to be held and as long as you can hold your baby or love them, as long as you can love them and feed them, they're the only two things that really matter. Um, the rest is extra and yeah. add-ons. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, what, I remember I was in hospital with my first and the midwife said to me, 
your baby is not a professional baby. Like they don't know what the hell they're doing either. All they need is to know you, get used to you, whatever you do, that's what they'll get used to. Like, don't worry about it. And I was like, oh, thank God. It's so (laughs) true. I had a professional baby on my hands. (laughs) That is so true. And they're not judging you and they just need love. And I think the other thing to remember is every time you're a parent, be it your seventh child, your second child or your first child, it's new for the baby and it's new for you as Mm. well. So every child is different. Every pregnancy and birth is different. So my thing is if you can easily control things that you can control in a nice sort of zen calm way then all of the things that you can't control and all of the things that come from the field and and all of those non-a-type appropriate feelings you've controlled what you can and the rest of it just can come to you you're very much at the heart of mummy verse really in this job that you have in the sweet set you know you're constantly speaking to other women as we are now about but these women you know are the height of their emotional charged experience Mm. and Mm. it's all about babies and pregnancy parenting memes and amazing covid advice for parents and you know your women's advocacy work how does that feel for you to be at the heart of that you know on a daily basis when you're actually just walking from your home office i I can't even say you're driving home because right now you're just working in your home office for the sweet set and then walking through to the heart of the house and then you step into more of that, you know, but it's your own home this time. How does that feel for you on yeah. a daily basis? It's interesting because um, we feel very strongly that the sweet set is a values-based business. As you're aware, a lot of it is that interaction on social media. Social media, Facebook and Instagram is where our demographic is. And so I spend a lot of time building relationships with that demographic and they're very personal relationships and there's some real highs and some real lows. Today I had a really long message from someone who used this sweet set who was feeling obviously really anxious and because I've sort of got a portal of really good contacts and connected with some really good people then we can serve that customer even though she's bought her product six months ago she's never going to buy another sweet set. We still really feel strongly that there's a conversation to be as I said the sweet set is a vehicle for conversation. So we were able to point her in the right direction. Um, And then on the flip side, you know, a lovely woman went into hospital uh, about three weeks ago. She was far from full term with twins, but her obstetrician was so anxious about her pregnancy with this height of COVID wave that he put her into hospital. She had an early pregnancy with her twins. And so she's kept me updated on those twins the whole way through. That sort of connection's really good. But for me, it is that firsthand glimpse into other people's lives. And it really just shows that we all have really similar issues and struggles. And women, when they have their first babies, have a really an expectation of what their life is going to be like and for so many of them regardless what sort of birth you had what sort of pregnancy you have if you feel that you had birth trauma if you feel that you had the most amazing magical birth every woman is fundamentally changed their identity their body their self-esteem their self-worth all of that fundamentally changes and for some people it is the most extraordinary thing that that really makes them who they thought they always were meant to be and for others it's a real struggle so it's really interesting witnessing that and and having that real reflection of how the changes I went through when I became a mum as I said I was an older mum I had a very um, high profile in the industry I worked in career and was in a, a high position of leadership and I went back to my first meeting when Magnus was a month old 
And I was back at work by four months, not full time, but working from home one day and working in the office one day, still fully breastfeeding and just not feeding all day and running home really late, catching the tram with massive leaking boobs. And then how my identity was shifting and how my priorities were shifting and what I wanted to do with that career and how my identity changed and my sense of worth and my financial worth and all of those things and my ego, Mm -hmm. that all changed. And so I see little microcosms of that on my Instagram every single day. So it's a great honour. It's a great honour. And it's a great privilege. I hope that we've got a role to play in ending the overwhelm, but also changing the expectations around what it means to become a mum. Yeah, that's really beautifully put because it is so different for everyone. And I don't think there's many women who can predict what it will be like accurately. Like it's never actually how you're going to feel. And and as you say, some women really feel like they are coming into the role that they've always felt like they should have been in or were ready for. Um, and for others, they think that before they give birth and then it's completely not not, not what yeah. they thought. I mean, I probably would say I was on the latter end of that spectrum where I was like, here we go. We're going to the right place. This is what's happening. And then like not crushing disappointment, but definitely crushing shock <laughs> and, yes. and, and guilt over, over those feelings for the first six months until they go away. And then you can really unpack how you felt and then own how you felt and work through that as well and and yeah everyone is so different and I think in a way it's good because it does bring women together so you know the way that you have been brought together with many women who are followers and supporters of the sweet set you know groups like mothers groups are, are amazing and are key to like make sure women do have access to that support and just an outlet for conversation um, exactly it's interesting i've got a blog on our web page we've got a journal where we yeah. try and provide really good information we've got a podcast that i wrote about mother's group because that's another one of those shocks before you became a mum. i have all my friends had had children most of my friends had overwhelming majority of my friends have had children mm-hmm. um you know who were a few years older than mine or a year older than mine and um I was like I do not need a mother's group because I've got enough friends I don't need any more friends and I went to my mother's group and I just went because I had to and I was like rolling my eyes and (laughs) worrying that I'd be judged and all of these things and thinking about what I was going to wear and that was one of the most beautiful things about my early parenting journey was my mother's group we were all very different we bonded very quickly and unfortunately we bonded because one of the mums was sick. So we um, did food rosters and things like that. And we were in the city and we all just came together and we became such a tight, solid unit of support. We still are and we're all over the country now, but that was a real shock for me. And that was, that's was that been one of the true joys of my life to have a WhatsApp group where everyone's child is at the same stage. Yeah. And even now our children are going to prep and we're like, oh my God, where did you get school shoes from? Where did you get this from? What are you doing here? So, yeah. but also to have the big conversations the first time we bonded as a mother's group was we went out and it was one of the first times some of the girls had been out it was the first time they'd been on a girls night since they'd had a baby oh personally I got ridiculously drunk um and have never been so hungover in my life it was like that social lubricant of alcohol and and I really don't advocate for drinking when you're breastfeeding pregnant or trying to conceive and I feel really conscious about conversations around alcohol but um but also it was the first time we all had 
drinks, we bonded and we talked about the big things about our relationships, how our relationships have changed, our self-esteem or our body or our worth and when are we going back to work and how do we feel about to work. And over the course of the night, we actually ended up getting kicked out of the pub and I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was my fault. <laughs> it was really interesting after these tentative months of getting to know each other, then we were all like, oh, my God, this is what we have in common. All of these things, no matter how different our family circumstances are, we're all feeling a similar version of the same thing. I think it's really interesting what you said about ego, because I haven't ever really considered that at all before. Or I have, but I didn't term it or coin it as ego. So I you know, felt similar when I went into a mother's group, because you feel like, well, I felt like this isn't me. <laughs> I don't identify solely as a mother I don't think I'm very good at it right now like I'm just new to it I feel like there should just be a pamphlet where you hand out your bio <laughs> not just on your career but I mean your life like I, I was a person before I was know? someone before I was a mom I was someone and that is so true I feel like actually it is a little bit of ego mixed in with identity um and it's very confronting to to not have that on display you know because you are not in control of what you're displaying mm. anymore so to speak I mean, it's interesting because um ego is something that i really had to work on but after becoming a mum so i made decisions that i'd always made some pretty big decisions based around ego and reputation because that was the field that i worked in was very focused on that and i had to really do the work in inverted comfort I had to really do the work on my ego and really focus down on what was important to me at this stage in my life. And the reality is with two children under two and a husband, a partner in our team, I couldn't make decisions based on my ego anymore and my identity. And I had to do some really deep work. It sounds really wanky, but really deep work on what was important and really deep values based. So all of that conversation around just a mum or what mums are supposed to be I really had to work through that mm. and even thinking about our not our goals of what this year needs to look like we've got a child starting prep and we've made a massive life change in the last year and we're still making adjustments around that that sometimes I still have to do that ego work and say is this about me or is it what's best for our entire family unit I believe strongly that happy mums create and drive and the reality is is that most family units well-being is driven by the female or birth mother in yeah. I think any alliteration of a relationship or a family does a lot of that directing the family's well-being mm -hmm. yeah and keeping everyone happy as well or or at least content, um, I think. Is yeah, really healthy and doing the best that they can. And and I think that that's part of that responsibility and that mental load of being a mum. And and that can be a struggle to deal with and to come to terms with too. The mental load is exhausting and I, sometimes I lose my shit about mm. it. I think that's part and parcel of it. And for us, the best outcome was me leaving that big job and starting a sweet set, which is a business that supports community i've started it when the boys were having their naps you know that works for our family yeah so beforehand before you delved into the parenting universe and were a parent yourself you and you still do this consulting it's um like crisis management and reputation management even before that i think you were in government defense 
is that right? So it's very high pressure, I'd say high level, you know, in terms of confidentiality. You know, tell us a little bit about that and how, you know, obviously that compares to where you are just now. It's so funny because often I think, oh my God, there was that time where, and you know, Facebook memories pop up and I didn't put a lot on social media because I wasn't really allowed to but if you know I'd put a few little photos up and something popped up the other day from maybe 10 years ago maybe a decade ago and you know it was a week where I'd worked on an aircraft carrier and so I commuted each day via like an airplane that catapulted off an aircraft carrier back to Darwin and then back into the middle of the sea every day so much fun great work really exciting work but also like I often think when I'm folding the 50th pair of jocks of of three-year-old jocks oh my god or I can't get like you know stains out of kids clothes I'm like oh my god is this what it's come to I used to catapult off you know and there were times where I you know there was a ship in the middle of the sea I had to go and sort something out on and so you know I climbed down a rope ladder off a warship into a tiny little boat to go back to a city and all of these please things. tell me you were wearing heels were you do you know what <laughs> i i always wore heels on on ships it's like the I start of a movie like <laughs> here she comes but in this case i really was not allowed to the ncis officer actually had a little word beforehand it was like you need to go out now and before you get on that ship you need to go and buy yourself a pair of jeans because <laughs> you know you're going to be climbing ladders and you cannot do it in a little skirt and high heels and you know normally I'd roll my eyes and go you know what I can wear whatever I want but for practicality reasons OH&S sometimes OH&S does come into it and then this is one of those instances <laughs> that had nothing to do with um gender or identity gender identity it was about full practicality when you're climbing down a rope ladder and I do always remember the beautiful sailor who was holding the top of the rope ladder and when I say beautiful I mean he was just the most caring knew that I was really quite petrified because yeah. I was climbing off a rope ladder <laughs> off a warship and he was like ma'am let, let just let the top go just take your hand off that rung take your hand you know like I was clinging on for dear, dear yeah. life because I had to I can climb down a ladder but not in the middle of a moving ship and he was like Ma'am, just lift it, that hand off. Just take that hand off. Hand <laughs> off. Petrified. But anyway, did it. And it's a really exciting memory to think back on. The question, because I just got way late with that reverie about <laughs> Yeah, worship. but that's, that's the point of it. It's like the question is, like, you know, all these memories from that time when, and I know you still do some similar work now in your consulting, but yeah. you didn't have that headspace that you, you had headspace then is what I mean. Like, because yeah. you didn't have the family yeah. at home waiting for you and, and the dual responsibility of that. So when you were doing all that, that was just normal life and you were just like getting on with it. I don't think exactly. you ever probably envisaged you thinking back on it. Daydream, like it was a dream. like Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I have to say, memory. and it, the headspace is a really good point because this week I had to write an article for a publication and it took me a week because, you know, we had, you know, a little bit of illness in the house. We had my mother-in-law here. We had my husband working and I just didn't have the capacity to write the article. Mm. It took me a week to write something that would usually take it an hour and you know there's nothing wrong with that but the expectation that I can still get it done in an hour I think the expectations change around running a business so I you're right I, I've got two businesses one is the sweet set which is our e-commerce new parent growing family business and then I have a crisis communications consultancy so I consult to you know iconic brands or individuals or entrepreneurs I've done in the last little while, I've done some beautiful little examples of small crises yeah. and just managing messages around that for female entrepreneurs. And I mm. love that because I believe strongly that 
you know, crisis and special situations happen in every single business, whether it's that your stock doesn't arrive in time or whether that someone has to be let go and that has to be managed mm. and communicated. So every business should be planning for crisis or special situations, no matter how big the size, because actually it's just a daily business occurrence. I love that. That really brings me juice, that business, in the fact that it's something that I know I can do well. You know, I was in roles that, that, you know, I know that there was a pay disparity and I know that there was a pay gap, not just between male and females, but also between the nationalities who are employed by the organisation and the different work situations. So a crisis I know, that is what I do. I can fix it, I can get it done and I can do it quietly and in a really simple way and the least painful way for a client and I think as the parent and as a woman crisis is a really male dominated area and you know like I used to speak to rooms full of 800 people and then it was only in reflection and now that I realized I was the only woman in the room Mm. and crisis is also a very male dominated area but actually women bring a really good energy into crisis because of that mental load that we carry of that let's get to an end result and an outcome but let's do it in a way that feels okay and it doesn't feel like a crisis or a drama or the end of the world because it's not it's never really usually going to be why why do you think why do you think that crisis tends to be male dominated because most of the big organizations having crises are run by men Mm. and that's just the reality you employ what you can see or where you can see yourself in it And also it takes a lot of confidence and straight talking to be able to get through a a crisis and tell the truth. And that's something that's interesting to unpack, Anna, is that often I think women are told that, you know, you've got to be good, you've got to be quiet. And, you know, like you say to Cora, don't be a nasty girl. Well, in crisis, sometimes you've got to be nasty and nasty in a good way, but, but you've got to be tough. And so it's not considered a role that women have traditionally played in the past because you actually have to be quite tough. And, the interesting thing about crisis is that some of the clients that I've had who haven't listened to good advice are men because you need to be willing to see a path forward and you need to be willing to take advice. And Mm. you've got to be really tough to stand up to that sort of, oh, no, but isn't this the best way forward? Well, no, it's not because it hasn't worked so far. It's not working. And if you don't take this path, it's only going to get worse. And unfortunately for a few of my clients, it has got worse for not taking good advice. And it's because... So I did political psychology at uni and there was an amazing book and it was written by the lecturer at university who always said that in times of a crisis and you see it in government um, in times of a crisis people re-elect who they know they re-elect men in times of crisis and when people don't want change they re-elect men because they look for a father figure mm-hmm. um, and there are so many Freudian layers to that but in in many cases with crisis it's the same they look for a father figure to say everything's going to be okay this is the outcome. Yeah, that's so interesting that when you talked about the Freudian way and that we're going back to the father figure, I mean, might it be that we're actually just going back to a rather more traditional approach and for us and for our generation and and for the world over, that still is 
men that is still a male role so I mean who knows like maybe in a hundred years time that won't actually necessarily be the case for many cultures in, in you know in a hopeful way exactly well when I grew up I didn't know any female politicians hmm. I, mean, I knew all our politicians because I grew up in a tiny country town so you get so you know who you love memories because they come to your primary school yeah well you just made me think about me when I was growing up I was born into Margaret Thatcher era so I did have mm-hmm. someone at the top but she like took it big time from people who are in the political sphere and who I would have just heard in conversation about her so that didn't look very appealing to me and a lot yeah. of it was because of her gender and whereas yes. whereas nowadays if someone was in that position and they were copying it even if it at the heart of it, it was because of the gender it would be masked in very different ways um so to you know I definitely wouldn't say that she was a role model of mine because she was never portrayed in that heroine you know mm. aspect um but really should have been mm. you think I think about that a lot often and I think that um and you and I have had these conversations and it comes back to motherhood as well is that those archetypes or those stereotypes you know she was the iron lady and it was you know a play on the iron but you know the ironing board but also her strength and her resilience and just her bloody mindedness that a lot of people found really confronting regardless of her policies but confronting because she wouldn't be swayed and it's such an it is such a anti-feminine thing to to be that strong and I think you know that that whole particularly with with Margaret Thatcher too it's very rare to see someone in that position who was a parent as well and we see that often in Australian politics um and I think that's why Jacinta Ardern so you know a lot of people have no idea about what her policies are or what she stands for politically but they really appreciate that she's a mum and that she's in in that position of power. Yeah, but it comes and back that to she those wasn't ar- the main parent either, like in terms of she yeah. didn't take a year off, yep. her husband did, yeah. But it comes down to those archetypes, and we've spoken about it too, that when you become a mum, and you and I have done lives on this about that Madonna and whore, you know, you're either a mum and you you know the madonna and you you know the mother of jesus and yeah, you can do no or, wrong. um the virgin mary yeah. and you know you've had a baby and you you know there's no room for a sexual side or a you know you shouldn't be out yeah exactly it's interesting i was just looking at a woman on instagram yesterday um and she had a new partner she's a mum of of you know primary school age kids and she's got a new partner and she was out and they were having a dance and a smooch and I read through I was just looking scrolling last night wasting my time on social media and some of the comments in her Instagram were were just horrific like oh another relationship unfollow and I was like well she can have as many relationships as she wants and she can still be a great mum and she can have sex with whoever she wants and still be a great mum but we're still sort of trapped in this you're either the Virgin Mary or as a mum or you're a whore. Yeah and you're a mum now so your priorities are not on yourself and your career um, and your you know your love life your priorities should be all on your children and like don't ever display anything other than that it's a really good way to sort of move into you know our summation of of our conversation because really we've unpacked a lot about identity motherhood and actually like I feel like for me personally it's been an admission of ego because I haven't ever used that word before as I mentioned and I completely (laughs) think that it is and it's important to yeah I suppose admit that and to be transparent about that especially if you're going to really have these deep conversations with yourself um, Mm. and and perhaps with your partner if you want to do that as well and really just such a good a good summation of balance 
you know, because we do have other priorities. So there's no getting away from that now. We yeah. have little yeah. little people as, as cute or as ugly as they may be when they're screaming at us. You know, we have those those responsibilities now. So really it's a bit of about a balance with and I don't want to say old you versus new you, but it is a little taking the old good parts of you and your identity and then making sure that they are in synergy and in alignment with what you have to do now exactly and with those needs and I think for me ego I really had to work out whose opinions were the most important and that came down to ego so uh, there was an article in in a newspaper about the 30 up-and-coming females in Australia and I was one of them and when it was published I knew that I was going to resign like I was like oh my god this is so false I can't do this job and support our family in the way that I that my family needs to be supported with a six-month-old breastfeeding baby and I just had this oh my god and then I was like well I can't resign now because I've been in this newspaper and you know one of the 30 females took out for well in reality whose opinion mattered it was that I was I was so beside myself stressed Mm. my husband and I that mattered that relationship mattered being able to be with my child at that stage and not running home on public transport at 7 p.m with my boobs leaking that mattered I realized that ego had driven so much of what I'd done Mm. in in such a and that's because I think it was such a male dominated area that I've always worked in that it's very ego run and being able to step back from that and saying that's my identity isn't my work my identity is is what sort of person I am and my happiness or you know we put a lot of emphasis on happiness in our culture but you know that joy I get from every day yeah and also and also like making your worth come through in the work that you do so you choose who you work for now you choose you know what businesses they they align with and what businesses they run and you also choose like you know however certain percent of the profits for the sweet set where that is donated to as well so yeah I guess that is that is the empowering part of it that you've taken that back which is amazing um tell us where we can find you because I've got sweetset.com what about your socials Instagram and Facebook so the sweet set is um and it's so funny because so many people are like oh my god you've got such different businesses because I've also got a tech startup but they're all about service um, and they're all at the core, which makes it quite easy to juggle. Um, so the Sweet Set's our family business, and that is at the Sweet Set on Instagram. And our podcast is What I Know Now. Yeah. And they're really short podcasts, so 7 to 11 minutes explaining things about parenthood that I didn't know before I became a parent, but things like strep B and um, things like can you have a cervical screening test when you're pregnant, things like that. So that's what I know now. That's on on exactly the same platforms as this podcast. Yeah. And, no, and I, can I just say that is amazing because I am I'm not planning to have any more children. I don't think I'll be in a hospital setting again. You know, worrying about those things. But I still listen to so many of them because they are so consumable. Like you know, fifteen minutes. And I really wanted to know about all those things. You talked the one between like private and public hospitals. That was I was so interesting. Like I just really wanted to know like questions you have for your GPs and. Like, I think it's so great just to have a little listen to and dive into that world. Thank you. Because the the key is we give information so people can make a research decision without them having to do the research, but knowing that they're getting trust information. Yeah, so 100%. Um, that is the sweet set. The crisis stuff is just Sally Branson Consulting. Mm-hmm. So uh, www.sallybransonconsulting.com. And in that, particularly because I do work with entrepreneurs, that I offer a free consultation for people just to... To, for them to 
get an idea of what sort of crisis their business might have because to plan is the best way forward but also when someone's in crisis to have a little chat to them and make them feel a bit like there's a way forward yeah and how do you think it's going to go for you in the future do you ever see yourself getting offered a job headhunted and saying right oh my goodness like now I'm climbing off a ladder on a <laughs> moving ship again are you going to be in that industry again or I don't think that was interesting I was recently offered a run at a political seat a lot of stars aligned for that and that was very recent and I had all the big feels about that mm. in the life of my family right now that isn't the best decision for all of us so I had all these really big feels but they were coming back to ego as well around you know I could be a federal member of parliament and I could do this and I could do this but actually with a three and a five year old it's not the right time for me and it's actually not where I want to be but I had really big feels about it because I was like if not me who would do it and if I want to make change I've got to be in there at the coal face and I really struggle with that because I believe there needs to be some significant changes um, in politics in Australian politics and particularly around women so I think about that but I think what is next the sweet set we will keep going on and grow our lovely community and we're focusing on um doing some stillbirth sweet sets so mm. doing an offering that can be donated to maternity wards for people who aren't bringing their babies home because yeah. they need to pack a bag and pack clothes but not to you know there's some real differences there and so we want to be able to provide a service for them mm-hmm. So that's our focus for this year for the sweet set, also on our podcast. But I really do love the crisis stuff, and I'm great at it. So I want to help. (laughs) I want to help. You know, and I've had a few clients that my speciality is in when it involves women and issues around the sexual or gender nature. So I love the work, and so I suppose that's a focus for me in this next year about how I can serve more people with those skills. Yeah, and actually, how you can just own that whole space, that whole niche. And, and be one of the first people to really do that, you know, to be an expert in business, but also social media influencing as well and, and reputation, which is so key right now in today's world. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming on and telling us a lot. I was going to say a bit, a lot about yourself. So candidly, so personal, really appreciate that. And I think so many listeners will hear a little bit or a lot of themselves in your experience. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time we'll, we'll record and I will be there in, I don't know, some beachside location. <laughs> That's sounds lush thanks Sally hey I hope you really enjoyed our fun and explorative dive into careers versus motherhood and how we try to take the verses out of that narrative it was a little bit of Madonna versus the Horde dichotomy, which I love to sideline into conversation. And actually, I feel like it was really revelatory to, to women and ego and women and predispositions and expectations to motherhood and the false narratives behind motherhood and the women who are the faces of motherhood. You and I. Yes, we are all beautiful successes and failures at the same time, and I, for one, am here to proudly own both of those, with both hands in the air, like I have just been caught stealing from the lolly pick and mix. Again. Until next time, stay charged!